Welcome back to Dads on the Air, coming to you around Australia on the Community Radio Network. In this program, we bring you informing and entertaining conversations with a wide range of interesting people on topics of fatherhood, family and parenting, men's and boys' issues. Hi, I'm Bill Cable, and we're crossing to New York today to speak to Associate Professor of Psychology William Fabricius at the University of Arizona. Bill is the lead author of a soon-to-be-published study Effects of the Interparental Relationship on Adolescents' Emotional Security and Adjustment, the Important Role of Fathers. In this study, he looked at hundreds of adolescents and had a balanced mix of those living with biological dads and those with stepdads, studied in three waves from grades 7 to 12 across ethnic and gender lines. The thrust of the study was to measure adolescents' perception of how much they matter to both parents. Bill, welcome to the program. I'm glad to be here. So, Bill, you've uh, you've studied the effect on a number of families. I think it was 392 families of the effect on children of conflict between parents. Have you found in your studies that there is a safe level of conflict before children suffer? Well, um, sure. I mean, no two people can ever get along for a extended period of time without conflict. Um, parents certainly who are living together and raising children. Um, but when conflict is relatively low frequency and relatively low intensity, and especially when it's resolved positively, that, if anything, may be beneficial for children to help learn, you know, how to manage human relationships. It's when conflict gets intense and, and frequent and out of hand and involves yelling and screaming and denigrating the other uh, that's when we see its has harmful effects. You've gone beyond just studying physical conflict. Um, it, it's it's not only physical conflict that, that can cause damage, as I understand. We also looked at the overall quality of the parents' relationship, and we also looked at uh, the level of uh, intimate partner violence. So we looked at all three of those things simultaneously. And, and uh, your studies found that these other forms, rather than just limiting it to interpersonal violence, the, these other forms of conflict can have an effect on the children. Yeah, we found, uh, that's correct, we found that each of them had an independent effect on uh, adolescents' mental health. So the, uh, not only the uh, domestic violence, but also the frequent and intense conflict, the yelling, the screaming, the denigrating, those kinds of things. But then also just the overall emotional quality of the parents' relationship, uh, how much love and affection and closeness there was. So all three aspects of the interparental relationship had independent and discernible impacts on adolescents' later develop their later development of their mental health adjustment. Um, yes, I've, I've heard it said that the best thing a father can do for his children is to stay in love with their mother. Would you agree with that as far as uh, your studies are concerned? No, that's, that's too simplistic. That's not the best thing fathers can do. <laughs> um, first of all, that works both ways. Uh, we found that if the parents were in a close, emotionally um, affectionate relationship, and that takes two people, that uh, helps to protect children from mental health problems. 
it's really the on the the onus is on both parents to maintain a healthy relationship. Yes, and is the effect different for sons and daughters? We've mostly found no differences between sons and daughters in the in the study and all the relationships we looked at. Uh, we only found one case where there was a, a difference based on adolescent sex, and that was the when we looked at the effect of the uh, the overall emotional closeness and love and affection of the parents' relationship. That had a stronger effect on girls, adolescents, girls' feelings about how much they mattered to their father. So there's, there is a lot in the literature about the special relationship between daughters and their fathers. You refer generally to the important role of fathers. I wonder if you could just outline for us a little bit what you see as this role that fathers play. Right. Well, as I said, we found three aspects of the parents' relationship that affected adolescents' mental health. Domestic violence, uh, nonviolent conflict, and the love and affection but we also found that how much adolescents felt that they mattered to their father was an additional, a fourth predictor of their mental health. Uh, surprisingly, it was how much children felt they mattered to their father and not how much they felt they mattered to their mother that had an impact on their later mental health. The father's love is... I think you've found is somewhat conditional as compared to the mother's love, which seems to be unconditional. So perhaps the father's love is more of an achievement or a goal to be achieved by the uh, by the children. Would you agree with that? Yeah, we don't know about that. We've speculated about that at the end of the paper to uh, offer some possible ideas why mattering to father is so impactful uh, for adolescent mental health, but. We really don't know. Um, that's going to be for future research to try to uncover. In your in your research, you ask some uh, well, what I found pretty emotional questions about this question of uh, of mattering. You're asking a child, do you think that you matter to your mother? Do you think you matter to your your father? How do the, how do they normally react when they get uh, get a question like that? Well. Um the interviews are given by trained interviewers, um, and it's part of a whole series of questions. So I really can't say that they had any particular emotional reaction to those questions, other, you know, different than other questions of a personal nature that we also ask them. But I'll say a word about this idea of mattering. We wanted we wanted a measurement that would be appropriate for adolescents that would really get at the heart of their relationship with their parents. We have different ways of measuring children's relationships with their parents when they're younger, but we really thought that asking about their perceptions of how important they were to their parent would would be a general measure of the emotional quality and closeness of the relationship, and also particularly during adolescence, there would be a measure of how much they felt they could still rely on the parent to be there if they needed them. We often think of adolescence as a time when, when, when children are pulling away from their parents and developing independence and uh, really don't want to be around mom and dad too much anymore because, you know, after all, we're old-fashioned and kind of embarrassing to them. <laughs> but um, we were, we, we've always been... Um, We've always sort of 
been reassured that, that this this measure of mattering is important because we get children talking about um, how much they matter, and we've also found in our other studies that it really relates to how much time that the parents spend actually doing things with adolescents. So for both mothers and fathers, uh, as children are moving into mid-adolescence, if the parents stop sort of doing discretionary, recreational, and household sort of activities with them, it, it appears to give adolescents the, the message, the, the unspoken message that, you know, they're just not quite as important to their parents as they were. Um, so we find a real relationship between spending time with your adolescent and uh, the adolescent being reassured that they are still important and still matter to you, which to them means they can count on on you being there if if they need you while they're facing these new challenges of adolescence. And I think there are a number of implications that flow from that. We're going to take a short break now, and we're listening to a song very important in anything to do with children. It's called Handle With Care by the Travelling Wilburys. Being beat up and battered around Being sent up and I'm being shot down You're the best thing that I've ever found Situations terrible, but baby, you're adorable. Handle me with care. I'm so tired of being lonely. I still have some love to give. Won't you show me that you really care? Everybody's. Got somebody to lean on. Put your body next to mine and dream on. I've been fucked up and I've been fooled. I've been robbed and ridiculed in daycare centers and Yeah. 
And that was Handle with Care by Travelling Wilburys. And we're speaking today with Associate Professor William Fabricius, who's at the University of Arizona. And we're talking about his soon-to-be-published paper dealing uh, with the interparental relationship and the effect on adolescents' emotional security and adjustment, the important role of fathers. So, Bill, we were just talking about the this measure of uh, mattering to a parent. If, if the child feels that he doesn't matter to that parent, uh, what are the likely consequences for the child? Well, we found that um, it, especially if they feel that they don't matter to their father, it predicts the development of later mental health problems, and that includes things like depression and anxiety, uh, aggression, um, disciplinary problems, and you know, the things like that, the typical measures of mental health. So, and, and it really makes sense. You can imagine that if a child has their sense of security undermined uh, in terms of how important they are to the parent, we, it's pretty easy to see how that could cause not only sadness in the child, but anger. Of course, the implications for this stretch over into family law because you just mentioned then the importance of spending time with a parent, and unfortunately, around the world, fathers are often deprived of time with their children by the courts. So, uh, I'm I'm hoping that your study might uh, might perhaps influence the courts to uh, recognise the importance of this time sharing with parents, particularly fathers. Yeah, I think there are implications here um, because we do see very strong relations between. Um, how much parenting time fathers have after divorce or separation, and the strength and quality of their long-term relationship with their children. We found that it's a very strong and a linear relationship. So up to and including equal parenting time, we see long-term improvements, continuing improvements in the father-child relationship. So it, it fits very well with what we see in these intact families that we're studying here, that, you know, the time you spend with your child communicates how, how important they are. Um, so we see that also in divorced families when you're looking at parenting time. In Australian courts, the judges tend to lose interest in making orders about which uh, about how much time children will spend with parents once they get to the age of about 12 or 13 whereas your study is really focused on adolescence, which would seem to indicate that uh, it, it is still very important to, to ensure that children spend time with their father once, once they reach that age of, uh, say, 13, 14. Well, that's what we found. We started uh, this particular study when the children were 12, and uh, we measured their mental health when they were um, 16. So across that period of time, we found that... Um, you know, mattering to father predicted the their mental their later mental health. Yeah, an interesting part of your study I found was that the uh, the father son relationship related to the marital intimacy. So, the if the parents make an effort to get on well, it can that uh, influence can spread over to the to the actual father son relationship. Perhaps that's not something people people think of, and when they uh, when they're not getting on well with the with the spouse. Yes, I know. It's been uh, it 
it's been mostly the case that researchers have studied either uh, nonviolent parent conflict or domestic violence. And it's often the case that if people are studying one of them, they don't statistically control for the other. And neither of the two groups tend to also measure just the emotional quality of the parent's relationship. So the fact that all three of them impact adolescents' mental health has lots of implications for intervention programs with parents and for therapists working with parents. So it doesn't appear to be enough to just maintain the overt conflict um, because children apparently get the message about how secure they are and how much they matter um, from how sort of close their parents seem to be to each other. We've looked at this in some more depth, and it's very complex about how the quality of the parent relationship affects children's perception of mattering to dad. Uh, some of the things we found in other studies are that when the parents are having problems, one consequence of that is mothers engaging in what we call gatekeeping which are attitudes and behaviors that tend to keep the child more with her and not with dad. And when mothers engage in the gatekeeping, we found that that predicted um, years later a decrease in father-child interaction, which then consequently also predicted a decrease in feelings of mattering to dad. So the dynamics of couples' relationships and how it impacts children are complex and we really need to study them in more depth than just looking at isolated factors like parent conflict and domestic violence. Yes, you referred then to gatekeeping, so which we often think in the context of uh, after marital separation, but uh, I think you're saying that, that gatekeeping often occurs while the marriage is still intact. Yes, that's our, that was our study. We looked at intact families. And, and you mentioned sometimes this failure to distinguish between uh, interpersonal violence and nonviolent conflict. There, there really is this um, this focus on the interpersonal violence, you know, like the, the the black eye and the the obvious injuries. But uh, nonviolent conflict has been has been too difficult for courts to to deal with up till now. But you know, it's it's clearly from your study, it's very important. That's right. Um, when we look at divorce families, we find that even in the high-conflict families that more parenting time is still related to a better father-child relationship. The conflict is harmful to children, so it impacts them. But even in high-conflict families, we see that more, more parenting time tends to ameliorate some of the effects of conflict. So for, for both types of families, more parenting time is associated with a better long-term father-child relationship. And we never find that more parenting time up to equal parenting time takes away at all from the mother-child relationship. Mm. So consequently, what you find um, when you look at when you look at children who've, who've come through their parents' divorce, that uh, the ones who have the best long-term relationships with mother and father are the ones who had more equal uh, amounts of parenting time. Uh, we have a recent study that uh, we've just finished writing up and we're submitting for publication uh, looking at the subset of families where uh, they, the parents divorced when the children were infants. And we see the exact same pattern even when you look at the amount of 
overnight parenting time during infancy, that um, more overnights, even during infancy, predict the long-term better father-child relationship. And even in that case, also predict somewhat a better mother-child relationship. Finding the same kind of pattern, and there's something important about time spent together, children's perceptions of mattering and their long-term you know, mental health, and also their stress-related physical health. It, it impacts, uh, we have another study out that shows that the father-child relationship, um, if it's stressed, can impact indications of young, young adults from stress-related physical health, which has long-term serious consequences for, for public health. Yes, it, it's. We just need to get this word out because uh, it's it's just so often overlooked uh, in in the judiciary when uh, about the effects, all the effects of this. I, I do want to say one thing. I can interrupt just for a second. Um, mm. These are all correlational studies that we've done, so we cannot be sure that these effects are that these effects of time and these effects of mattering are are. Um, actually causing these long-term effects. Mm. We've done the best studies that we can, which are longitudinal uh, studies that control for all sorts of other factors. So all the evidence we find is consistent with time and interactions and mattering impacting children's long-term health. Um, But of course, it's very difficult to do an experimental controlled study of these kinds of things. So we always have to be cautious when we think about translating these findings into public policy. But what we're finding so far is at least consistent with the idea that these things can either improve or harm uh, children's long-term health. Well, I'd feel a lot more comfortable if the courts relied on these consistent findings from uh, people such as yourself uh, rather than uh, the gut feeling as to the way the time should be split. But uh, this is a fascinating topic, Bill, but uh, look, we've reached the stage of the program where we ask our guests if they'd like to pick a song. Would you like to tell us which song you've picked and perhaps why you picked it? Yes, well, I picked a, uh, a song by Chuck Berry from 1959 called Memphis, Tennessee, which I'm sure dates me terribly. <laughs> but um, it's a very poignant song about a father who separated from his uh, young daughter. Uh, and it's always struck me um, how how one of the earliest uh, creators of rock and roll picked this topic for one of his first songs. It's a very poignant song. It's a song I've always liked, and I hadn't appreciated the significance of the words um, until you pointed it out. But uh, let's uh, all have a listen to this great song by Chuck Berry. It's called Memphis, Tennessee. Long distance information, give me Tennessee, help me find the party, trying to get in touch with me. She could not leave her number, but I know who placed the call, cause my uncle took the message and he wrote it on the wall. Help me information, get in touch with my Marie, she's the only one who'd phone me here from Just a half a mile from the Mississippi Bridge Memphis, Tennessee 
Help me information more than that I cannot add Only that I miss her and all the fun we had But we were pulled apart because her mom did not agree And tore apart our happy home in Memphis, Tennessee time I saw Marie, she's waving me goodbye, with hurry home drops on her cheek that trickle from her eye. Marie is only six years old, information please, try to put me through to her in Memphis, Tennessee. And that was Memphis, Tennessee by Chuck Berry. Uh, the uh, one of the founders of rock and roll and uh, a, a fantastic song. I'm, I'm really glad that our guest today picked it. And just a little bit more about that song by Chuck Berry called Memphis, Tennessee. In a review by Verlin Klinkenborg, he said, What I really find myself listening to is Chuck Berry, the sociologist of incredible economy. It's the open-ended plea to that disembodied personage, long-distance information. It's the household where uncles write messages on the wall. It's the geographical precision of Marie's home, high up on a ridge just a half a mile from the Mississippi Bridge. Undercutting it all is the very hopelessness of the singer's plea. Memphis, Tennessee is a reminder too of how much country there was in Chuck Berry's rock and roll. But... uh, Verlin says, uh, I'm no longer surprised by Marie being six years old, but her hurry home drops do still surprise me every time. I wonder even now about the operator on the other end of that connection and the sequel. I like to think that, in the end, the call was placed and a happy ending found, if only in joint custody. So who would have thought the voice would stretch out to us from 1959 in the words of Chuck Berry's immortal song, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, And so it remains for me now to to thank our guests, uh, William Fabricius. William, uh, Bill, thank you very much for being on the program today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And uh, we'd love to hear from any of our listeners. You can go to our website, dadsontheair.com.au, and send us an email, and we'll be in touch. If you'd like to listen to this show again or any of our shows, go to our website, dadsontheair.com.au, or you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. And so uh, that's our show for today. We'll be back next week with another show on Dads on the Air.